Today on our GX podcast, we're going to continue our series on Outsource to America, specifically diving into community partnership and talent acquisition. And I'm looking forward to discussing how the program actually works. As a reminder, the Outsource to America program started in 2009 with an emphasis on revitalizing communities. Um, the program started in Detroit, and since Detroit, we've expanded to Hartford, Connecticut, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, upcoming in St. Louis, Nashville, and beyond. Its main goal really is to focus on job creation, training, talent development, and community revitalization. With me here today to discuss the details of that are Galaxy's own Ryan Hoyle, a Senior Director and O2A Program Executive, and Melissa Torney, Director of Talent Acquisition. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for your time. Hello. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hi. So I'm going to go ahead and um, jump right in with Ryan. Um, why don't you tell us about some of our current partnerships that we have and how they started? Sure. So the concept of a community partner dates all the way back to 2009 when Galaxy started a program called WAS. And that program, we hired 22 individuals who were graduates of high school but did not have any formal academic training in technology. Right. And what we did is we partnered with Columbia University and Rutgers University and created jobs, created training programs, and for the team members, created career pathways. And when that happened, it really was like a light bulb effect where we started to realize that we could create and implement strategies to get what we call non-traditional talent, people who aren't coming out of four-year universities with computer science degrees, but if we could identify individuals with the right level of aptitude and drive and marry them to the correct training programs, that Galaxy could really help address it, its resource and talent needs. And when you talk about WAS, what, what were they? Were they a community group that already existed, a training group? What kind of organization were they? It was a quasi not-for-profit whose mission was to look at ways to create opportunities for underserved individuals in the community. And in this particular cohort, it was, it was young talent um, with no IT background, but had the capability of becoming future engineers. And That's exciting. How exciting was it to present to that, to, to that team for the first time and go out there and talk to those high school students? It was incredible because Galaxy got to be on the front lines of really seeing, again, that light bulb, that passion get sparked in an individual where they saw that there was a career waiting for them if they were willing to partner with us and take the right steps. And again, that model, that feeling, that belief is what we replicated in Detroit in 2009. And now we're replicating across the country. And again, to bring it back to the original question, it all started with partnership and collaboration that said Galaxy could solve its problems by partnering with like-minded organizations in the community. So what type of partnerships, you know, that's a community group, what other kind of, just briefly, what other kind of partnerships do we see out there? So our partners fall in three primary categories, government, academic, and community or nonprofit. And all three play a very pivotal role in the growth and success of Outsource to America. Well, very, very interesting. What is the role really of these community partnerships to the program and how critical is it that we build these relationships? When you look at the tenets of Outsource to America, what we are really bringing uh, to our customers and our communities is the understanding that um, 
we can create jobs, we can create and develop talent that will at the end of the day be good for our businesses because that talent is how we're going to get work done. And so what we're doing in Outsource to America, the tenant of it is that it makes good business sense. But for it to grow, we look at uh, the social determinants of health, not to get too specific, but when you're looking at the concept that healthy things grow, for that to happen, economic stability, a physical environment, access to education are three of the core tenants. And so when you look at Outsource to America and our partnership model, we are looking at who can we work with to make sure that we have first a healthy community to grow our business. And that's where the government comes in, making sure that our government officials are providing the necessary policies and supports to the business community and to the residents of those communities to be able to do other things. The next thing when you're talking about it is economic opportunity. Galaxy's willing to create the jobs, but if we don't have the partners, our academic partners to provide the education to this talent, then they'll never be able to realize the opportunities and, and help us grow and scale them. And so our academic partners are vital to us for identifying individuals with aptitude and drive, and then for helping us deploy mm -hmm. the training curriculas that we need. And the last one is the community partners. There are amazing organizations that deal with and provide the wraparound services that we all need. During COVID, look at the rise of food insecurity and Galaxy's investment in mm -hmm. painters in Detroit, but food banks in all the cities we're in. Anyone who's ever been a student or a parent to students know you can't receive knowledge, you can't receive training if you're sitting in class distracted because you're hungry, because yeah. you don't know how you're going to feed your children. So we look at and target community partners whose supports will benefit the Outsource to America program. And we're not looking to, to reinvent the wheel. We're going to tap into programs that exist to create if we need, but tap into what's already there. 100%. All about collaboration and looking at organizations, again, that are like-minded, that will support our mission and our vision. And in exchange, we're supporting them too. You hit upon an interesting topic. I read an article about this uh, in a magazine the other day about growth and cities that are going to invest in growth that's not related to the manual labor market are going to be more successful moving forward. And it was, you know, investing in other ways to grow their their community, not a blue collar type, you know, traditional what we've seen where we're shifting, obviously, from a manufacturing society to a, a different model. So this is just enabling that for a lot of cities. So I'd like to invite Melissa into the conversation. And, you know, Ryan's talked a lot about you know, getting the talent, working with the community, but you're really responsible for um, the recruitment end. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the strategies that you and your team use to engage the talent partners and support the filling up of, of open positions from our clients? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I'll start just by highlighting the obvious challenge at hand, which is just, and, and we're all aware, but there's a huge gap in available talent you know, across, really across the United States. And so as that, that gap continues to grow, we've, you know, we've, we've, we've looked at um, different strategies from a recruitment perspective um, to make sure that we can, you know, successfully fill these gaps. 
So how are we doing it was the question. So, you know, we're, we're taking a step back from some of the traditional recruitment um, processes that everyone uses, which is, you know, the job boards and pulling in applicants from different uh, sources. And we're really looking to engage again, these partners, these um, local, you know, community partners, um, universities, community colleges. Um, we found a lot of success in partnering with um, technical boot camps. And all of that's done, of course, with Ryan's support. And then from the recruitment perspective, we're able to partner with them and really um, explain to them what the, the gaps are. So what are the, the skills that we need them to produce in, as far as partnering with us, or we're able to share with them what, um, what we're looking to, you know, how we're looking to train these people so that they can help complement that within either their training programs or they're able to find us the talent that they've put through to share with us. So are you talking about like working with actually working and engaging with them for a curriculum or a training program and saying, we need quality assurance people, or we need people with this .NET skill set, and this is a six week program they could all do. So not necessarily, we're not necessarily there yet, but it's, it's kind of complimenting that and saying, Hey, you know, are there opportunities for that in the future? I, I sure hope so. But as of right now, it's more so, Hey, here is what we're focused on. How have your trainings went? that may produce something that we are looking for to match, to match that up. Mm -hmm. um, it's more about matching and working with the right partners to, um, you know, to, to produce what we're looking for too. Interesting. So Ryan, how important is it? And, you know, Melissa talked a little bit here about alignment. How important is it that we achieve that alignment and collaboration in support of stair goals with our customers in those areas, galaxy and the community? Extremely important uh, because, again, we started this with saying O2A, though it has elements of philanthropy, it's creating jobs, it focuses on diversity and inclusion and all these other very important necessary elements to improving our society and our communities, but it has to make good business sense. And it's only through alignment and collaboration and transparency as well that we are able to maximize everyone's investments in these communities and benefit uh, versus reinventing the wheel, stepping on one another's toes, creating confusion for the talent community. Too many people in their ear making too many promises um, and they, they're just spinning, head start spinning and don't know who to trust, what to do, mm -hmm. where to go. So when we partner, a use case, when we partner with an academic institution and their constituents, but uh, applicants who are applying to their boot camp or to their community college, when they come into those organizations, knowing that if they follow a certain set of courses, that a job with Galaxy is waiting for them. Uh, and that and if they follow those courses, the government is supporting with grant dollars to help with the burden of cost of hiring and onboarding new talent. It all becomes very, very important to creating a great experience for the community member seeking a new job and for the employer that's seeking a community member to fill that opening. So a, just a true end to end from beginning to end that everyone's aligned, everybody has the goals and that's really transparent. You're giving a, a for lack of a better word, a smooth ride to these recruits. There you and go. I imagine that that helps in really building their trust. I'm thinking if I'm a, a young person, I'm already going into life with a little bit of skepticism, possibly. <laughs> that, you know, is this for real? Is this, you know, you have to make sure that there's a lot, you're putting your, your future in somebody else's hands. It's gotta be scary. 
Of course. And I mean, look at it. This is a question or a concern that's affecting industry and communities all over the place. Even just the value of a four-year college degree when it's not in uh, computer science or medicine or law is being questioned right now because there isn't that linkage between student to academic mm -hmm. institution to employer where students and their parents under or government who however it's being funded understand what is this investment getting me at the end of four or five years yeah. and so our program is rooted in understanding shared successes goals um when we start the relationship and to support that the o2a program team is growing we're bringing on relationship managers to be proactive in understanding investments already being made in the community and how they align with O2A. In program administration to ensure that communication channels, protocols, reporting, um, all align with the definition of success and we're tracking our progress and our results. So we are approaching this like we do any GX Force related project. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're having the success that we're having today. Yeah, it's really interesting when you talk about non, you know, non-traditional, right? Um, almost anymore, a lot of a lot of people are looking at. It's not like when you and I were kids, not to age us, but you went to a four-year college, you you know went through whatever programs, and you got a job, and it was like this expected process. Um, and you're right, people aren't seeing that return. So non-traditional, I see is is you know, maybe that term won't, won't even apply, you know, soon, right? Because it's, it isn't as non-traditional as a lot of people want to think. So Melissa, I want to flip this back to you. Once we tap into this community talent, it's, it's, this is a two-part question. So once we tap into the community talent, what are some strategies we use to develop these trainees? And really, I'm kind of interested in where are the recruits at in their career development? Yes, of course. I'm um, so so we start off and this becomes prior, you know, even, even prior to the recruitment phase. So it's developed process or, um, you know, thought process, which is what are we training them on and where are the gaps that we need to fill? Um, so as we start to recruit and we're talking to these, these new hires, we're explaining to them, yes, this is what your career track will be here at Galaxy. This is where you're going to start. This is where we expect you to be in, you know, three weeks, six months, and, you know, even into a year. And, um, and we usually, you know, we're able to balance that out with some really great examples of others who have gone through similar um, tracks in the past. So when we start them off, they go through some customized training and development programs, um, which are led by um, some of our technologists, you know, our senior team, team leads, and they work with them on projects to work on that either we adapt here in Galaxy. And from there, as they, you know, and, and I'm kind of coupling these two questions together, depending on where, how, what their skill level was when we hired them will depend on at what point they may transition out of the training, uh, you know, the training class. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. So for example, um, when we're talking about junior and um, trainee talent where, where they perhaps don't even have live experience in a, you know, within a technical role. Um, they may go through, you know, three months, four months, you know, maybe even up to six months of training and kind of shadowing um, some of our, you know, senior, senior developers and engineers. And then, you know, they move into some live projects and start to make a real impact and, um, and get to work with clients. Whereas, 
you look at someone who we hire in maybe with you know three to five years of experience and we work on either um, training them further de develop the skills they already have or perhaps we kind of reskill and you know complement this the, the skills they already have with you know some more up-to-date skills or you know there's lots of things that could go on there and then their their time and training may be you know, much less, maybe three weeks, and then they're deployed into um, some some live projects and get to really get their uh, hands dirty and, and get going. And we've seen, you know, look, we started hiring for this program a year ago, really, um, uh, with our first group back in, in Hartford in Connecticut. And, you know, majority of those folks have either had the chance to start working on projects or getting, you know, are being deployed into projects and making an impact in um, the feedback has been really great, and I know that they're really excited. And I, I can tell you, just to take it one step further, one thing that from the, the talent acquisition side of things, that when we know that people are are happy and they, they're excited about something, they give us referrals. So we can always tell mm -hmm. that, you know, if these, and we're getting referrals from them still and constantly from, from that, those first class, the first class, you know, the first group we hired um, back, you know, a year ago. We're, we're still getting referrals for them like hey they're willing to they're willing to relocate where's where's the you know where do you need them to be so that's exciting awesome um, as an opportunity mm -hmm. that's awesome and actually you just hit upon a question i was going to ask which was relocation because i'm curious if that's something that we're still seeing and doing despite covid or maybe in, in because of like how do we handle relocation and is that something that we still do yeah, that's a great question, and it's it's a um, it's a very hot topic right now, you know, with with COVID and everything that is going on. So, the the great the the cool really cool thing is Galaxy, as we all know, is is you know we're very flexible in the work from home right now. It's 100% really work from home across all of our um, units. While we are recruiting, we do have to keep in mind, you know, at some point post COVID, what are the needs of our clients going to be? Where will it make sense to have? you know, different talent, right? Do we need them in Galaxy's um, delivery centers? Will we need them on site at, at the client? Or will, will could they fit into, um, you know, a, a model of work from home and supporting across, you know, different accounts? So we kind of keep that in mind as we recruit. Um, we keep that as a strategy, you know, a piece in mind. Um, that being said, we do find that a lot of people are willing to relocate. We, we've offered and we, we offer, you know, different incentives for them to relocate. Um, you know, some people may work from home, but we're like, hey, do you, would you rather live in, in, the, in the mountains instead of New York City? And, and you can work <laughs> from there and look at, at some nice sites. So we, we are able to have these conversations with, um, with candidates. But it, again, it, to, to answer your question, going back to that, it is, it is on a temporary hold based upon the, you know, the, the given circumstances. So I'm going to uh, throw you a little bit of a, a non-prepared question, so don't be mad at me, but I know you've been recruiting for a while. I would say, what, 10 plus years you've been recruiting, Melissa? Uh, my, my eighth anniversary is in a month. Good for you. Congratulations. Yes. So what have you seen in that eight to 10 years? What have you seen that has changed um, in the recruiting landscape and the career development landscape? What has changed um, a lot, <laughs> and and it's constantly changing. And I'm I, I feel like Ryan might be able to, to jump into. I know he doesn't recruit anymore, but he's been through. But um, since he's so he, since he's been he's around been for so long, <laughs> yeah. So I would say, um, you know, the tools remain the same. These basic processes always will remain the same. But the but the challenge that you know the the challenge is again filling the gap and. 
I would say that as technology um, matures or, you know, I, I don't know if matures is the right word, the difficulty in finding available talent has really become a challenge. I guess I would say that unemployment rates may skyrocket in some, you know, um, in some sectors, but in technology, it's almost non-existent. So again, that kind of takes us back to O2A and why it's really a great program for us to, to continue on the path of success, but also, I mean, it's really cool to put people back to work, but we mm -hmm. had, we had to do something to stay competitive with, you know, with, with what, what we do have available in the market um, and what we're able to work with. So I hope that kind of answers your question. But, no, it does. I think um, that's a really, I really like that answer because the reality is, I think what you're saying is this is a scarce resource, no matter, you know, in the, the IT, you know, field, it's, you're, you're going to be, have scarce resources and Galaxy kind of true to our model was, well, if we can't find them, we're going to make them. <laughs> yes. And that, I think that's absolutely correct. And, and the thing is, look, good people have jobs. So, you know, if you want, if you want the best of the best, um, you know, sometimes, yes, you have to create them. And, and I think that's what we're trying to do. And we're, we're having, you know, we're, we're having a lot of success in doing so. Let's say a change or maybe evolution is a better way to put it, is the shift in our industry from a labor arbitrage model where price points really dictated business decisions to the post COVID world where workforce resilience is the new topic and the need for US-based companies to be able to adapt to unforeseen challenges that will impact their ability to deliver. So it could be a pandemic, it could be a natural disaster, mm -hmm. it could be something else. Um, and that's something else that we're seeing as a domestic evolution is non-traditional talent sources we've talked about diversity and inclusion and cultures of equity and inclusion we've talked about. But now the world is on notice and the country's on notice. If we don't take bigger, better, more scalable action, uh, bad things will happen, whether it is simply unable to deliver the work or if it's the unrest that we're seeing in many of the cities in which we've invested in uh, and have offices. But again, the concept of workforce resilience and, and creating opportunity and equity are things that are now driving the talent marketplace. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, I appreciate that answer, Ryan, because I think that's a really key theme. And, in, and really what we're talking about is, as a country, right, continuing to move forward in a positive way. We've, we've got to look at and continue to innovate. We have to continue to innovate and plan for something. Um, unfortunately, we've all been hit with this unforeseen circumstance. And the reality is, is it really wasn't unforeseen. A lot of experts actually anticipated. And now that we know, we can no longer pretend like something like this might not happen. We, we can't pretend anymore. Um, so with that, Ryan, what are some, what are some unique goals that you're seeing within specific host cities? Um, and are you finding that some, there are some common goals across all of our O2 cities? Certainly common goals that would fall under the heading of economic revitalization, but a unique one that I'll speak on is our expansion in Milwaukee and our partnerships with everyone from Northwestern Mutual, a customer who's gone on a record of supporting our program, to a newly and an emerging relationship with an organization called the Milwaukee Tech Hub Coalition. They exist, they're funded by companies like Galaxy and NM, 
and they exist with the sole mission of doubling the number of technology workers in downtown Milwaukee. And I believe it's a five year time frame. And why? Because they recognize if they don't as a region and, or excuse me, as a city, um, take a collaborative approach, they're going to continue to have their talent siphoned off by Chicago, Austin, Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley, you name it. And so the one common theme to all the, or another common theme to all the cities we're in is they recognize to compete with talent, they need a regional approach to make sure that that talent knows their cities and their regions are a great place to live, work, and play. Yeah, that one's, that's a nice case study because it's right there in the middle of the Rust Belt. I mean, when you think Milwaukee, right, it's right in the middle of the manufacturing zone. So it's a big step for them to say, we've got to move away from that, that paradigm. We've got to, to invest in, in other um, career growth options for our people. Michigan called it the Michigan brain drain when we opened our Detroit office. Uh, that mm-hmm. concept exists in all of the regions we're in, where people come and they get their education in these great institutions that are in these regions, but then they go to those big cities. And now that we're dealing with a post-pandemic world and a social distance world, it again will only aid the investments that we're making now because it's opening up new opportunities and new motivations to be in these smaller cities. Okay. So um, I'm going to kind of wrap this up with one final question and, and I'll ask this to Ryan and Melissa. Um, Do either of you have what I'll call a really great success story of someone that you saw hired and now you know where, where they're doing what they're doing with their life? Ryan, let's start with you, because I know you've been with the program forever. (laughs) Yeah, if we go back to really outsource to America, starting with 22 individuals, you know, that were still teenagers in in 2009, uh, one person, Valeria Rodriguez, comes to mind. She was an absolute superstar in that program, Um, not just in learning the content of quality assurance, project management, and then ultimately delivery management, where she was client facing, uh, but also served as a peer mentor to the other team members and really got on the front lines with myself, Sandeep and the other program stakeholders and defined success. And Valeria and I spoke not long ago and she's now vice president of a major financial institution in, in Manhattan. So whereas she's not with us anymore, when we talk about job creation versus career pathway, we gave her her first job and we developed her career and now she's living the American dream um, because of that shared, and that's a shared success. And so that is a motivator for Galaxy, myself personally, to continue doing what we're doing because sometimes we get so caught up in the mass of spreadsheets and and all the things that define the work that we're doing that you can overlook the individual. And I still like taking a pause and knowing that we really help somebody and help shape their life. Yeah, what a nice, I mean, what a nice um, job. What a nice goal to have, you know, to keep you focused. Melissa, do you have a, do you have an equally cool story to share? I do, and I'm gonna um, kind of share some of the kudos with Ryan and, and the story um, is, is about my career path. So I started as an entry level recruiter and I had zero recruiting experience, which is a lot of the recruiters I hire now are pretty similar to the profile that I had. 
And with Ryan's support and some of the other managers over the years, I developed and they helped push me and, and keep me on track. And now I, you know, I'm the director of the recruiting team. So it, it's just one, one more story on top of probably a hundred that I could tell um, that just, you know, outlines what Galaxy can offer in, in the way that we do things and the opportunity that we do have. And it's really cool. It's really cool. So I think um, uh, with that, I, um, I, we're at the 11.35 mark. We, we've kind of reached um, uh, the end of our discussion. Is there anything else, Ryan or Melissa, that you want to add? Anything, Ryan, that you left on the cutting room floor you want to say? Yeah, the only thing I'd say is, you know, there, within this talk around talent, there's a call to action to our Galaxy team. And that is understanding what we're trying to accomplish in our cities and whether it's referring employees or future employees to, to participate and help us grow and scale, or just being an advocate, or just recognizing that it's now all our responsibility if we want to have shared success as an organization, as a community, that we do our part in creating cultures of diversity and equity so that we can continue to grow because this is a major differentiator compared to our competitors in the marketplace. Mm, good, good point and a great call to action. Um, I think, especially in today today's time, and, and, and a worthwhile mention. Um, so, with that, I will thank uh, Melissa and Ryan. I appreciate your time. A great conversation, um, and I look forward to Ryan. I believe we are actually going to be meeting with Valeria in a, a future podcast. So I look forward to hearing her side of the story. I heard. I'm excited for that. Can't wait. <laughs> great. Talk to you soon, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.